Hey, Sam. Hey, Nathan. What's up? Not much. What's up? Uh, not too much. Just uh, published my review of the Canon R5. Did you oh, read it yet? Cool. No, I have not. Of course not. Of course you didn't. Because we, we never prepare for these. That's part of the magic of this, this podcast is that... There's no prep. There's no... We um, literally just sit down and start talking. Unfiltered. <laughs> very, very unfiltered. You're getting the real... Well, photographers published at like last night, 9 30 PM. So it's not exactly prime time for people to just sit down and read like a thousand words. makes sense that you would have missed it, but I was hoping a lot of people would uh, be excited to open up their inbox and, you know, of course read it this morning. Um, Sweet. Well, but you don't care. You and I have already talked extensively over the phone. So you kind of have also, I'm sure I don't, I don't need your opinion to inform my opinion that's on true. this podcast. One. You have one in your hand as well. So yes. it's not like you don't have, I think reviews are most helpful for people that are on the fence or are waiting yeah. in, in pre-order purgatory to, you know, get the camera and all of that mess. People that already have it in their hands can probably make an informed decision. Although I will say somebody reached out in the comments and was like, Hey, you know, okay. My, so just to, just lead right up front. My big issue was battery life, you know, having to swap batteries, which yep. we can dive into in some detail in a second. But yeah. he said, you know, is battery life really a problem? Because for like for the next year or two anyway, we're probably not going to be shooting events for longer than like two hours. I was like, that's, that's actually a fair, it's a fair point. Argument. It's a fair point. How are you enjoying your R5? So there's a lot of things to like about it. I can start out with what I like about it. I really like the feel of it. It's a, little bit bigger camera it's exactly kind of the size that i was hoping the r would be now uh, so you mean physical physical size physical is, grip um yes, exactly. on it it's not it's not that much bigger um it's a little it's it's heavier which is a knock against it uh but it's not like so heavy that i'm like well annoyed. that's one of the things i addressed in my in my review a bit that like it is heavier but here's where i think it's starting to add up it's starting to add up man yeah, the, you got to have uh, either a battery grip with extra batteries so that you yep. don't have to swap all the time, or you got to be carrying extra batteries in your bag. The, right. the the body itself is heavier, plus the lenses are yeah, the lenses are becoming consistently are heavier, be heavier. heavier. Yeah. Anyway, so I I do love the the feel of it, just pure tactile feel. Feels great. I like where the aperture preview button is, even though I don't think that. It should exist at all, but we're going to get into that as well. I, I like the, I like, uh, I I do. I like the thumb wheel. I've got it set to ISO, which has been just so awesome to just like flip ISO around with my thumb. It's so cool. I do. I do like sort of the, the feel. I like the files. They're very pretty, very colorful, kind of of dynamic range. Yeah. Plenty of dynamic range to work with. They're humongo files. So very sharp. And of course, 60, almost 60 megabytes per. Image. Yeah. Uh, and of course, uh, the thing that I do love most about it is the autofocus is so, so accurate. And so I love seeing all the little, uh, autofocus points light up when I'm like the tiny little ones, when I'm, when I'm photographing with it. So it's fun. I'm going to send you a video just to show you how freaking good the autofocus is actually is so here's um it's going to come through my message okay. uh, it's in my review but you probably aren't gonna see it as we talk this is uh a ceremony and i was f- turning my head photographing candidates because they were reading their vows i'd already captured images of them 
reading their vows, and they decided instead this was a Jewish ceremony. You know, typically, I would say ninety nine percent of the time, virtually every every time, they do their first kiss after they step on the glass. It's like uh-huh. you step on the glass, you lean yep. in for your kiss, you're done. They decided, you know, it's a little more informal. There's only like 10 people there. It's a small ceremony. They decided to kiss right after they finished reading her vows. She okay. just stopped talking, and then they leaned in for a kiss. No preamble, nothing. Right. So this video, you'll see, my yep. GoPro, is uh, I'm taking Candids, and then at the moment I saw them kiss, Whoa. the thing focused, and it got it dead on. I'm sending you the video and yeah. the... Uh, I got it. Yeah. So it's a, it's a 100%. So what I'm looking at here is a, um, is basically a video of Sam swinging photo, swinging the camera around and shooting like instantly. And I'm looking after that at a absolutely razor sharp first kiss image. Perfectly in focus. The, yeah. the, the, the moment, the second, the half second before they broke away. I yeah. mean, it nailed it. Uh, now I suppose there's a chance that I just happen to be photographing one of my candid shots at the exact same distance as they were away from me. But I do remember the focus point locking right. and, uh, like it engaged. It was like a little blue. Wow. Uh, and it's, a, there, so. and it is a very, very quick first kiss. My God. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's awesome. Um, <laughs> the thing is crazy with autofocus but uh just to say up front the r6 in all the marketing materials is said to have the same autofocus system right i'm crossing my fingers and holding my breath that it doesn't have like limited number of focus points or like some i don't think weird so constraint i no, think it's I, supposed to be exactly the same focus points are exactly the same i think the lcd is like 0.2 image 0.2 inches smaller i think so like the I same size you, as the usr the, the r5 i was getting some questions about that the r5 has a big bullet point in their marketing almost near optical viewfinder like evf quality yeah they're really pushing that and the screen has you know more resolution yes. i uh that's not something i really know i mean it looked good and it was cool that they added the feature to be able to change the um the color temperature of the viewfinder oh of the viewfinder itself yeah that was cool. kind of interesting but I, I honestly never really, I, I have no problem going back to the R. I, I don't see anything lacking in it now that the R5 was just like, you know, a revelation in terms of the screen. Right. In fact, I was trying to point out to my best ability an issue that I would have in low light shooting with specifically the 70 to 200 zoom lens, mm-hmm. where the the back screen would like go into a low power mode with like a slower refresh rate and get a little bit more choppy mm-hmm. and not as smooth. And, and I don't know what was why it was doing that it didn't seem to correlate what, with was being it, an auto iso or not it just would it was jump doing into that it. on its indoors. own yep on, on its own shooting indoors with the 70 to 200 specifically that lens which is a 2.8 aperture lens huh. so i'm just wondering if it needs to like divert power resources to artificial like boost sensitivity to the sensors i'm weird i just have no clue what was what was occurring and i double checked my that i wasn't in like a power saving mode right i was, was gonna ask that. like it was toggling itself into a power saving mode for no reason that i could explain very similar to how the camera chooses to stop down its aperture in its preview <laughs> with no no real rhyme or right reason. and uh, coming from you know both of us came from nikon a year and a half ago or whenever the the actually almost two years ago when the um usr came out we're used to being able to see the aperture exactly as it's in fact the exact image as shot on the back of 
the uh, camera on Nikon. Yeah. That is not the case with Canon, and it boggles my mind because, it, and it, it, it's really it's feeding you false information. So totally. when you, so <laughs> when I'm shooting at one two or one four, let's say, and I'm in, look, it's it's hard to even explain it because it sounds so ridiculous. But basically, with Canon, these Canon cameras, when you're shooting in uh, live view, you're aperture that it chooses to display the live view on may not be the aperture that you have set as the it's always the most wide open as it can be it's it's always if you have a 1.4 lens it'll it'll right always display what's at 1.4 i think that part of the reason for that is the mirror the mirrorless technology needs a lot of light in order to lock on to focus. So even if you, you know, if you're stopped down mm-hmm. at eight or whatever, it, it's going to open up the lens temporarily just to lock focus and then stop back down. Fine. But the, the weirdness is that this has been uh, a weird limitation, even back to their DSLRs. Right. This isn't um, unique to the mirrorless ecosystem. I, I, we talked about this before. Yeah. I have a feeling it has something to do with just software, a fundamental way that they have like coded their sensor. cameras to, to react yeah, something at the, the sensor software level that is not able to be rewritten or it's too expensive or they just can't, they're just boxed in to their cameras or they're just trying to protect the sensor uh, from right. too much light hitting it too too directly or too often. I don't know. I don't, it's weird because I say that and then I'm like, but it's actually, the default is it's always leaving it at the most, yeah, the most dangerous the most, <laughs> The most, yeah. Unless you're in the brightest light. And if you're an outdoor pointing at the sun, it will stop itself down. Yeah. Um, to show like a 2.8 preview or something. If you have a, a prime lens on or something uh, like a 1.2, it'll stop down to 2.8. You're exactly right. You don't know if what you're seeing is what you're getting, unless you hold the, hold the aperture preview button actively. There's no way to even like press it and like have it work on its right. own for a certain duration it's, of time or something more it's, convenient. It's bringing <laughs> me back to the DF days where, uh, I don't know if you remember, but with the DF, Live View uh, would not give you an exposure preview yeah. unless you pressed a physical button and held it. So what what you had to do was you had to, uh, lo- you know, especially with what I do where I lock focus with my um, my thumb. So I'll, with my left hand, I'm, I'm holding the lens. With my right hand, I've got my finger on my, you know, my my trigger finger on the trigger i've got my my ring finger on the aperture preview button so that it will show me the actual uh exposure preview the and <laughs> yes. i've got my thumb ready to lock focus so and my middle finger may need to adjust aperture so i'm using four fingers on my right hand just to take one image with the df it's just bringing me back to that cuz now i'm i'm even like if I want to shoot at 1.8 with a 1.2 lens, the aperture is going to look completely different. And when I fire the image and I look at what, like when yeah. the when the preview it's, goes from the preview to the actual image, I'm like, that's not the same. So, but what's even an added layer of ridiculousness is that none of this seems to be repeatable. N- neither you or me have like no. shot professionally or extensively with video, but it doesn't seem to be re- repeatable in video. No video, video works uh, as, as you would intuitively expect it to. Yeah. <laughs> right. It makes sense too, because with a video, you 
cannot allow yeah, the camera can't be jumping around <laughs> right yeah. so and i i did some tests on it in fact while i was on the phone with you yesterday or the day before maybe we should circle back the the issue with aperture is is sort of like long-standing complaint at this point and yeah. it's something that was basically the same as uh the r nothing's really changed and right it's just unfortunate to see that yeah in a in a pro camera yeah Yeah. i don't think so either especially given that apparently it was a it was a thing in the dslr days as well so going down that road harping against it can only go so far and at this point canon if you're listening change that thank you moving on um let's just dive right into battery life because this is something that you, before I even got the camera, because I was out of town when it arrived, I just heard you calling me and texting me about how annoyed you were at the battery life. And then you ended up being, it ended up being confirmed over multiple shoots that you did. And then once I got the camera, I also experienced the same thing. So why don't you explain a little bit about what you're thinking is in, I, I in terms of the battery? I think that fundamentally it, it comes down to the something to do with the CF Express cards. Mm-hmm. And its position in the camera body is very, very close to like the core processor, mm-hmm. um, which I would imagine generates a lot of heat. I don't know. I, I think, honestly, that, that could be a lot. Maybe, maybe certain... I got the i believe fastest transfer speeds about 1400 uh megabytes per second well yeah pretty sure a gigabyte per second no 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 megabytes megabyte not megabit but megabyte right 1, so oh 1. 1. 1. yeah yeah i guess so. yeah it's insanely fast um and it generates a lot of heat and i you know was first sort of thinking like this is weird when i got the memory card reader for the cf express card it's huge it's four times the size of my exact same brand oh. dual sd card reader uh four times the size for one memory card and hmm. i do have people messaging me saying hey you know i've shot with an sd card only and got eight hours of filming they said the word filming so i don't know if they meant video oh, interesting or stills. eight hours on four batteries which seems a bit more reasonable to me but uh i yeah. have a feeling these people are not utilizing the cf express card and that there's something inherently tied to that however i did shoot uh my very last shoot with this camera sd card only and saw i mean i didn't feel the overheating in my hand as as i don't remember it being as noticeable as previous shoots but i i definitely did not experience fantastic battery life to where it like, no. signaled that i need to give it more time and even if that is the case that oh you can just shoot sd card only i'm not sure you know if given the option i'm going to shoot dual cards that's the yeah. <laughs> that's the thing to do period uh, yeah yeah assuming i don't run the risk of randomly having to uh, swap battery and have battery life die all the time so it seems to be more and more that there's a fundamental issue with the cf express technology and you know photographers that haven't yet purchased those cards they're very very expensive that's the other aspect of it not only are you uh now prone to more overheating but i spent sixteen hundred dollars when i was all in for two 512 gigabyte cf express cards and a reader 1600 bucks like Damn. I'm paying that much more money just to enable overheating yeah <laughs> uh, no i that's not a that's not okay again there's a the way to solve it and mitigate the risk is by shooting sd only that's a reasonable way if you love everything else about the camera uh but i think the r6 will provide 
dual SD, no overheating, and and have basically everything we love about the R5 except the massive resolution. Well, let's let's kind of hope so because so here's my here's my perspective, which is slightly different, um, which is that in my excitement for acquiring this R5. I didn't actually even realize that there was a CF Express card <laughs> slide. <laughs> so I never bought one. So when it came in the mail, I um, you know opened her up, and I popped the uh, battery compartment or the uh, card compartment open, and I was like, what the hell is that? <laughs> anyway, long story short, I shot the last two sessions that I did with only one SD card, because I don't have any CF Express cards. And I experienced ridiculous levels of uh heat on my in my hand like the thing like you were describing it to me it was, it was exactly accurate it's kind of like a hand warmer after about 45 minutes of shooting yeah and you know granted you know, get keeping in mind that there was no cf express in there the thing was hot and i used uh so i shot a two-hour shoot um it was a uh, it wasn't like an engagement or anything it was uh, photos of of bread for this bread company i've been shooting with for a while and so i was shooting low low speed shooting so i was like pop 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 i wasn't at, i wasn't at high right. speed continuous that's something i dialed around with too because i was wondering like mm-hmm. am i just shooting way too much too fast right and uh it died on me before the end of the shoot and it was an hour and 45 minutes in by the time my first battery died and I had shot 800 photos. That's not going to, that, that's not going to work. I Here's can't think that, that when you say it outright like that, it seems like, well, that seems like a lot of photos, no. but when you're, it's not, not when you're used to a shooting Nikon who right. like, I used to be able to shoot entire weddings without changing a battery on some of my Nikon cameras. Yeah, the D750 is legendary. The, the, the baseline for comparison to this camera should be the EOS R, which right. can easily knock out what? 2000 frames yeah. on a charge? Yeah, definitely. More. Yeah, definitely. definitely. I, I can shoot for about like three, three and a half hours on one battery. I mean, it's it's lower than, I mean, it, it's kind of what I expected given a it's a mirrorless camera. Uh, but right, it's pushing digital displays, you have no optical display to, you know, offload the, the power. Yeah. yeah so you're just pushing EVF or live view all the time. So now here's, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But what I'm saying is, okay, let's say we're shooting an Indian wedding. Let's say no COVID, no nothing, 11 hours, 12 hours on site on an Indian wedding. I can't carry 17 batteries on me. <laughs> the, the other, the, even if you could, uh, 17 the, batteries that's yeah, what the I, that's the calculation 17 that it's going to die at an inopportune time that even if you do have 17 batteries to go back to and pull from you're going to be unable or frustrated or miss something because of that because you can't predict exactly where the death is going to land right most photographers are going to want to swap right around 10 percent anyway if it's getting close just to mm-hmm. cover their ass and so you're really not shooting you know 100 percent of a battery so if you're already dealing with wanting to swap around 85% of the battery used right uh plus a camera that has poor battery life plus a camera that appears in my experience to have worse faster accelerated depletion at the second half of the charge right after you're 50% through it, like, it starts you're dropping swapping batteries rapidly. every practically every 50% of the charge of the battery (laughs) to make sure you're not going to miss anything. I mean, you're just, that's so much more mental calculus and distraction and, and just the cameras in your way so much, no matter how good. I mean, as I said at the end of my review, uh, 
I didn't miss autofocus, but that doesn't matter if the camera's not turned on. You, right. you miss a moment when, as soon as that says dead. And, and yeah, it's very, it's a real issue. I'm sorry. I'm sure there is the chance that firmware could fix some sure. aspect of this. That, that would be awesome if so. Some magical configuration of software with memory cards, memory card speed, whatever, could fix a lot of this. But I don't want to wait around for my return to become invalid <laughs> for those uh, solutions yeah. to surface. And, you know, uh, if historical experiences have proven anything, it's it's that the, the camera as it ships is... 95% of the way there. Yeah, what I mean, they can do in post is is maybe going to be like a 5% maybe. improvement and it's only going to be software related stuff. So right. the other thing is I did play around with uh, the power, like low power um, optimization modes and stuff. And, and I found that the, the non-smooth screen was distractingly annoying. Oh uh, man. That so on. annoying. Yeah. It's really choppy, not yeah. worth it. Uh, that, that kills a lot of the fun and experience that, and again, I wanted to use the R as the baseline. Mine was configured just like the R. Mm -hmm. There is a rumor that the new firmware could introduce sort of like a, a medium raw, like a Canon light raw. Oh, that could be cool. And I'd be curious to see if that saves battery You know, writing half size files maybe would, but I don't know. But then at at that point you might as well just buy an EOS R6. Here's another thing. This is, and this is just, you know, this is potentially going past the, you know, what we've been talking about. But I also have another issue, which is that I don't, I'm, I'm a photographer. I'm not a videographer. I don't actually want and will never use any of the video features on the EOS R5. I'm not going to do it. And especially given that the reviews coming in are basically saying that, the overheating issues at 8K, especially at 8K, but also at 4K, are such that you can't really use it for long takes anyway. It's not designed for that. There's no interior cooling. There's no fan. There's no nothing to mitigate the cooling. So you're limited to short shots. And if I was making, for instance, a feature film or something, there's no way I would be using this camera because you can't shoot long takes without it overheating. So. Yeah. The bottom line is they wanted the stat. They wanted the milestone of they AK wanted raw. the stat. They wanted to see that on everything. And, I think and they, they got, got it. enough people. It works. It works. The footage looks beautiful. But God, I mean, you want to talk about dealing with 8K raw footage in terms of workflow. And oh, my God, that's a whole nother crazy. Yeah, uh, that's that's a whole different asking, thing. You're opening up so much. Uh, annoying crap to deal with. But anyway, that, that you're right. That's separate and that's videography. And I think that they thought there'd be enough of a market for YouTubers doing, you know, beauty, beauty takes hero shots of equipment in raw at 8k that it would be fine. And yeah, it yeah. Would be, but from a business compromised from a business standpoint, it makes so much sense from a money monetarily stand monetary standpoint. It makes tons of sense to hey we're making a video or we're making a a photo camera let's just you know throw in video but when you really think about it i think about when i when i first picked up the df i know that i talk about the df a lot on this podcast but it's because it's such a unique camera and it was such like a weird move on nikon's part that i just i loved it because it was just this bizarre like why did they make this camera and it was a camera. It did not shoot video. It didn't shoot it. You couldn't. There was no video right. mode. You can only shoot stills with it. And I loved that. I thought that it was kind of cool. I wonder what it would look like to release a 
full-fledged photo camera, just an image camera, I would love to see it. I would, to, to just cram in extra features for photographers, things like way more customizable buttons that have nothing to do with video because who cares because it's not a video camera this is a tangent this is a rant uh that i have been thinking about for a long time just like i want a photo camera i don't like every single camera that you can possibly think of has a video option and i don't think that it's like a weird you know fogey thing to say that they're I don't know. I think it would be really interesting to see just a a camera that only takes stills and does not do video. And having, if you want to shoot video, buy a dedicated video camera or a hybrid or something like that. There there are dedicated, you know, video cameras out there. Why not dedicated photo cameras that are at this level of quality? Yeah. It'd be interesting. It'd be interesting. That's all I'm saying. I I just wish these companies in their marketing would be a little more transparent about exactly like we talked about right. uh, many episodes ago. They need to have genre cameras. Yeah. Right. That'd be awesome. What do we, I can't remember exactly how we phrased it last time, but there needs to be like, Hey, this is this camera. This is really meant for hybrid shooters with a slant toward video. Right. Uh, so right. this camera is the, you know, we, I think we talked about label of them, labeling them the way you, you would label like an aircraft or something. Yeah. 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 Um, and this camera is, is if you're a wedding photographer, this is the one to go. Oh my God. Yeah. Studio, we did talk this, about that. Yeah. This, they need to create actual use case, but which they're basically doing anyway. They're just not saying it. They're just not right. telling it. They're telling, they're letting everybody else figure it out on their own via reviews and like going and trying stuff and spending a lot of money on crap that they probably don't need at the end of the day. And it's a, it's, it's a little it's disingenuous. Honestly, yes. it's, it's uh it's a little bit like they're trying to capitalize. They're trying to make kind of these weird one size fits all cameras. It, yeah. It, it's, at the pro it's for level, everybody, but at the pro level, yeah, at the pro level, you're right. Which is I, not cool. I, no. I, at the prosumer level, fine. Make yeah. like a, for pros, I realize you need versatility when you're a pro, but if you're a pro photographer versus a pro videographer, then, I mean, they make the C, the cinema, like Canon makes a cinema line. Well, that's, that's where Canon is probably fighting itself a little bit right. in terms of not wanting to cannibalize. Their, so separate it, separate know. it out. Why not? Like, I think it would be kind of cool to like, here's our cinema camera. And it is, like, chock full of, like, awesome new features. And it can do 8K raw. Sweet. Here is our photo camera. And it is the R7. Kind of like they they did that sort of with the R... um, What was it? The R... They had a... Oh, the RP? RS? Well, RP is a good example. But there was, like, an RM or something for astro photography. Oh. It's, like, weird. Remember that? Yeah. What was that? they did release like a specialized version of the R camera. Oh. I think it was the R. And so the, the precedent is there. I just don't know why, you know, and it, it's unfortunate because the R6, though exciting when they like announced it, was really an afterthought in their marketing. It was sort of like nobody was paying attention to the R6. Whoa. So it, yeah, the RA. Yeah. RA. Yeah. Astro. 
Like that's what we need. We need an RW. We need an RP <laughs> for portrait. Uh, we need like these genre cameras. It would be uh, kind of cool. And, and you know, I bet from a business perspective, people would actually end up buying more cameras because if yeah. you shoot two different distinct genres like weddings and portrait work, you're sure. Gonna, yeah, the wedding one, even if it's good enough for portrait work, in the back of your head as a photographer, you're going to be like, but man, I really want that that use case specific. Yeah, the camera. one with like the extra mega, like a couple more extra megapixels or exactly why or the one with the like RA. the one that sacrifices maybe like autofocus for like more detail. Um, yeah, it's one step shy of. Our other dream we've talked about extensively, like the same camera body that has swappable sensors. Swappable sensors, yeah. So anyway, it's <laughs> it's really unfortunate the R6 was sort of after. And, and the R6, because it was so under-marketed at launch at least, it's not being framed as the professional camera. No. Now, I purposely didn't read any or watch any other reviews until last night after I published because I don't like it to taint my Right. Or, or I don't want it to make me second guess myself when I, and I don't want to inadvertently steal some other person's insight. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was reading all these reviews, maybe four and their general kind of conclusion was like, yeah, if you're like a full-time pro, uh, you should probably get the R five. Like that's clearly meant for whether you're stills or video, like the pro camera. And it's like, right. And, and now no, I'm not convinced actually I'm not at all convinced. I'm not, uh, this does the camera does not perform under load. Like when we're talking, you want to, you want to shoot, um, videos in your own studio of you and you're like a YouTuber or something. My God, this would be a dream camera. But if you're taking this thing out, especially on a hot day on, on a video, on a wedding, like it's going to die on you. Like, I don't, I don't understand. So you're going to have to, you're going to have to take a whole sack of batteries with you to keep it going and you're going to have after it overheats you're going to have to wait 10 sometimes as much as 20 or 30 yeah. minutes <laughs> not okay to shoot not again okay. come on that's ridiculous so, so like <laughs> that's why and and shooting stills is potentially even worse because you know you can you can shoot if i if i fire off 800 photos and this thing dies i mean i can do that in a half hour like oh easy Totally. Like, yes. So I'm worried that, and I, I haven't really stress test the R5 like you have under a, an actual wedding scenario, but in a non-stressful environment where I was just kind of casually taking, I think I took 1,200 photos in two hours. No big deal at all. I had to use two batteries, and I was not cool with that. Uh, especially yeah. since my second battery was not and fully was that, charged. Just to clarify, was that SD only? Or and it was SD have... only. SD only. Okay. So that's bizarre. Uh, I was going to say, if if there comes out, let's say that there is a magical configuration that doesn't have any serious performance trade-offs sure. in terms of frame rates, frames per second, or like the smoothness of the display and all that. And there is a magical just, just shooting SD with a certain speed brings it up to par with about where the R is. Then what would you personally uh feel that you would shoot with between the R5 and the R6 that would continue to perform as good or better with dual SD cards but with the 20 megapixel missing a couple of customization buttons. Okay, so you're saying if I'm hearing the question right, you're saying if the R5 
could perform perfectly well just using one SD card, would I shoot that or would I switch over to the R6, assuming the R6 has no problems, and shoot dual SD cards? Correct. If all things were equal, I would shoot R6. Because after shooting with this thing, I realized I don't 100% necessarily need 45 megapixel files. If if everything was exactly equal, well, maybe if, if everything was exactly equal and all I was just getting was extra megapixels, then I'd probably stay with the R5. See, I've I shot, would go with the R6. I feel like if all things were equal, uh, you should you should go for the slots for redundancy. In terms, of, in, yeah. in, in terms of redundancy, if the option is there, take yeah. it. Uh, the only reason I was comfortable with it uh, single slot on the R was because there was no other option, and yeah. there were so many positive trade offs with shooting the R in terms of awesome autofocus and just everything that it enabled with the flippy screen that those benefits outweighed the risk. Yeah, yeah, but you got to think. You've got to be. You got to shoot dual. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I'm, I'm, <laughs> this is so funny. This entire situation is, is hilarious. All in the midst of uh, Sony launching their A7S3 or A7S3 or whatever uh, that I've heard is, is quite, uh, making videographers at least quite, quite happy. So it seems like Canon, in their attempt to woo videographers primarily with this AK RAW, still aren't doing that because. It's just nobody is there. The industry's not there. That AK RAW is so game changing and necessary that anybody cares. Eventually, it will be, but uh, you know they'll probably have better heat mitigation and other things solved at that point. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Totally separate. But have, did you hear that, that um, the Associated Press has changed to being yeah. entirely Sony? Uh, video and stills which is bizarre because i feel like they mostly use freelancers and yeah, i'd be do. surprised if, if they would only then take freelance photos from a brand but maybe i don't know maybe they they're saying like blanket statement you have to submit in sony that would I be don't, weird i but. don't think so i don't think so but i think that they're basically encouraging it and they're equipping everyone with with it. so if you're if you're like i want to shoot with it they'll equip you okay all right what were we uh, I was just talking about the Sony AP thing, but basically, I'd be interested. Bottom line is, I'd be interested to see. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see how the, the R6 performs, and I'm going to be. And I, I pre-ordered it two nights ago. Uh, finally, I, I actually hadn't pre-ordered it until just then because uh, I was like all in on the R5. Yeah. So yeah, at the back of my head, I always thought that. You know, even if the R5 was way more than I needed, it was going to, I would prefer to have more than I needed than just enough or not enough in right. some, some a- aspect. Right. The R- yeah. But it's just, at the end so, of the day, uh, with something as fundamental as the, the battery, I just can't. Um, and yeah. there were other hangups that I had. I don't know if we can get through them at some point, but I did seem to find, this is anecdotal, I didn't measure it. Exactly, but I did seem to find that it felt the R5 was forcing an inaccurate aperture preview more often than, than the, the R did. Yeah. It did feel like that. I don't know why. For me... But that was annoying. Yeah, for me, it seemed like sometimes it was it was more accurate, but then it would, in the exact same scenario, potentially be different. So it, it's just it just seems completely random. And that's the thing that really bugs me about it. If it was something that I could calculate, okay, in this type of light, it's going to be stopped down to 2.8. Okay, in this kind of light, it's going to be stopped down to F2. Uh, In this kind of light, it's going to be wide open. Then 
I don't think that I would have as much of a problem with it. I mean, it would still be annoying, but if I if it wasn't completely random or seemingly completely random, then it would be a little bit easier for me to wrap my mind around it. But being what Even it then, is, it's, it's just like, uh, ter- it's just it's yeah. not, I don't like that the camera is lying to me. That is the problem. Why do you lie to me, <laughs> Canon? Yeah. Yeah. Nikon doesn't yeah, lie to me. The the old school thought, you know, with anything photography related was always, yeah, I remember hearing Joe McNally, you got to learn how to use your camera and then you can, then you can trust your camera. And I think they were always talking about, um, you know, metering and exposing, uh, auto ISO and stuff like that, which I will say just segueing quickly, the rework of some of the configurable buttons, um, to uh, yeah. implement auto ISO. Awesome. Like there were so great. many great changes that, uh, are also going to be translated to the R6. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm very, very happy about, uh, and I verified that with the R6 by just reading the, the manual of the mm-hmm. R6. So anyway, um, they are making good, awesome strides. You know, what's going to happen. You know, it just popped into my head. I know what? what's going to happen. Okay. What's going to happen? The R6 is going to show up and everything's going to be perfect, but it's going to have the loudest, most harsh yeah. shutter sound ever. Yeah. Oh, man. I, that is something to, th- to say, though. The R5 shutter sound is like, oh, it's awesome. Like, it's it, such a joy. It's it a joy. You, you can yeah. feel it in your hand, but it's it's so quiet. And it's not like unsatisfyingly quiet, though. So it's it's yeah. right. I think it's it's right in there in that sweet spot of like, okay, now I feel really comfortable shooting even in like a quiet place uh, oh, yeah. without having without to, having to deal with yeah. the silent mode, which silent was mode. another disappointment with the R five, and I'm, I'm assuming the R six will be the same. The the it's very susceptible to uh, light flicker, mm-hmm. and the rolling shutter was improved, but it was still there, uh, much improved. But the flickering, the banding from artificial light yeah. was was still very very exactly the same i would say as the r no it's, improvement at all yeah it's it's gonna be i think it i think that's but, something i think we're just gonna need to sony, have a little bit of grace sony on a9 sony a9 really solve that oh yes. really oh okay well then never mind no grace <laughs> yeah and that's an old camera now a couple years yeah i was gonna say i mean if that's that i can kind of deal with just because especially with the r5 being so quiet i really hope the r6 is just as quiet i don't i don't see why it wouldn't be i don't know uh, but yeah, heck knows. you, you never know until you, you get it in your hands what the damn thing's gonna actually do gosh i forgot the usr is 30 megapixels i i don't know man yeah. usr is, is a battle-tested awesome camera That's i love the usr really what, this, what this proves more than anything yeah. at the end of the day and the colors on the great. had a thumb wheel and a few of the reworked menu options uh that the r5 and r6 are gonna have i would probably just totally without any hesitation just stick with the r and yeah. be fine be happy with it yeah i mean i just think that this is a misstep on canon's part with the r5 I think it's trying to be a video camera really at the end of the day is, is what's really bumming me out about it is that it doesn't seem to be really catering enough to the photographer crowd. And, um, hello, you're at, well, you know, I think over the last four or five years, especially it is more trendy, more in vogue 
to be a videographer than it is a still photographer anymore. Sure. Just as a a matter of YouTube being a thing, people, as cameras have improved, YouTube videos have gotten much, much more polished and showy and professional. And that's where all the, that's where all the kids want to (laughs) be. And so I really think that we had this discussion, uh, we've had it on and off many times, but particularly I think within the last week about how most quote photographers that are still photographers and that's like how they brand themselves, but have a giant YouTube presence are actually just really good YouTube video videographers, YouTube video makers right? and poor still photographers or have never actually done still photography in a professional capacity with clients that pay them. Right. <laughs> right. Right. Uh, they just do it as like their niche, uh, in the YouTube universe yep. and enough to actually, review stuff and talk about exactly. it. And they're actually really good at making those videos and that is a thing that can be lost on a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, for sure. I bought into it where I saw this amazingly polished video review of a product, got it, and realized, like, this is completely unworkable. It's like unusable. This is, a, this is a thing I don't need in life. I think, I'm sure it's happened a few times with bags, mm-hmm. uh, a couple other, like, workflow, you know, whatever product. And it's a, it's unfortunate. Not to mention the whole mess of tech companies in general, not just photographer companies, but every tech company in the world seeding, uh, release units to people. Right. And, and this is something we got into, um, on our last podcast and unfortunately never saw the light of day because we had a, a, a technical malfunction on my part, but, <laughs> yeah. um, but yeah, let's talk about that for a quick second reviews. Uh, so go, go ahead, go ahead. Well, you know, people are not going to, this is, <laughs> It's a fundamental it's, flaw of this kind of system. It is. Yes. Where uh, to, to do early seated reviews yeah. uh, with a wink and a nudge that, hey, you're getting early access to this awesome thing. Nobody is going to straight up say, I don't recommend you buy this. Nobody's going to say that. Right. That's not and, how it's going to be. <laughs> well, and I don't think you even necessarily, I think, I think that that's kind of fine. Um, like, sure. I, I don't think you should be saying like don't buy it, but the but the negative hits on it are going to be completely glossed over. Like, yes. in, in like even if I let's say I was just being my you know my my myself, and I was saying I got an R five and I experienced exactly what I did you know right before, but it wasn't out yet. I wouldn't go and say D- guys don't buy this camera. But what I would say is like hey the battery life sucks ass. Um, yeah. Period. You make up your mind on that, but I would never get a camera again from Canon because exactly. I would be, you know, costing them money. It but makes sense. It totally makes, it makes sense. sense. It's just, it just, but it's a problem. It's a problem. It is. And you have to really, it sucks. Cause when you're excited, you're in the you know, heat of the announcement and all the rumors, blah, blah, blah. Like you're seeking out all of this sort of information in an echo chamber of everybody at the end of the day, really wanting it to be an amazing product. Right. Right. There are, I've just come to accept that there will never not be trade-offs. Every camera is going to have a trade-off and it's about finding the camera that hits the close enough balance of trade-offs for you as an individual photographer. And people just, you know, they, they, 
the reviewers aren't honest enough about that. The early reviewers, right? I'm sure. Hopefully, I mean, there have to be other reviewers out there that are very candid. But the other problem that I have personally, and I would imagine other kind of people that write reviews have, is when you do have a product that you're more critical of, and you ultimately end up sending back or just don't want to recommend. It's not fun to write that review. No, it sucks. It's it's tedious. It's like God, I'm cranking out all this crap about this thing I don't even like. Right. You know. It's but that therein lies a lot of the value for people that were fence sitters, uh, you know, about their decision or uh, you know didn't realize there maybe was a better option available to them. Uh, the other aspect of it is, you know, it sucks to like hurt someone's feelings. I guarantee somebody opened up their R5 yesterday uh, afternoon and were excited and playing with it and got my review and it made them feel worse about their purchase. Right. And that sucks too. Yeah. It's, it's a, you avoid all, both of those giant um, sensitivities by only saying good things about cameras. Sure. <laughs> but, and, you know. And at the end of the day, if battery life is not, a problem for you and it and it isn't a problem for some people about having like i know a lot of especially videographers they're like oh dude what are you talking about i use like 15 batteries for like an hour or two of shooting with the red camera or something like that yeah you know then then sure what we're ranting about may not apply but for a still photographer this is an issue and it's i mean i i kind of think back to you know what you were saying is like there's no perfect camera, and I'm thinking back to the uh, the announcement of the D750 and the r- rollout of the D750, and it was this like mega, it, it hit like a bomb. Like everybody bought a freaking D750 because it had the dual yep. slots and it had like all kinds of great perks and it was full frame, flippy screen, flippy yep. screen, and it was a great camera. It kind of had an all around for one, one four thousandth of a second. Yeah. And then it shot at one four thousandth of a second. And like, (laughs) (laughs) it's so funny because like, it's just, it's just these things that like, it's like, why can't we have like a camera that's like Fury Road? I guess that was like, I guess that's like the D5. You know, that's right, which we both realized uh, the other day was a 20 megapixel sensor. Yeah, 20 megapixels. I had no problems with that. Uh, So the R6 is 20 megapixels. I'm hoping, again, I have no problems. But I, I just think, like, kind of going back to the reviews thing. You have to make up your own mind about what it and if you if you hear like a bad review of something and you feel good about your purchase and you can shoot with it and you can be happy with it then like fine screw the haters doesn't matter like don't listen totally. to us but like i think that it's important though to have the other perspective out there and say hey battery life actually is a real issue and um i just don't want people to be caught off guard by shooting with this thing for like four hours and well, not having enough battery to, and running to, out to- of battery to create workarounds and exceptions for it, uh, not realizing that there are better, there's a better way. Right. There's <laughs> a better option out there for you. Like there are going to be photographers that shoot with the R5 and just deal with the battery because sure. they're fine with that. And it's and uh, and, but, and if that's but okay. they may not yeah. be aware if nobody ever says anything critical about a camera in this example the battery life then they may be just completely unaware. Right. But there's so here's here's one of the realizations I had uh, shooting Nikon DSLRs all those years is that Canon shooters just literally had no idea about the the realistic way better ISO performance and auto oh, yeah. focus no and clue. other features that Nikon, <laughs> Nikon had it. 
totally had the edge. Nikon was better. Yes. Straight up, Nikon DSLRs better than Canon DSLRs. I can confidently say that now, looking back. Mm-hmm. Hindsight is perfectly 2020 on that. And there are things that Canon did a little better in terms sure. of color science or, or lenses, but nope, Nikon stuff blew everything out of the water so much better that it, it overcame those uh, those other benefits that Canon had. Uh, and, and, and that's, that's it at the end of the day. Like it was very disheartening to sit there and talk about uh, a photo that I achieved and somebody shooting Canon, not even aware that this entire pathway to this, this creative result existed in the world because they were in their Canon echo chamber and were using the best whatever. And it's fine, but you, you really like the goal here is what is the least, uh, path of resistance toward maximizing your creative output. Yeah. I think letting your camera get out of your way and shooting with it as an extension of your, of your hand is where I think at least in, in the type of photography that I do and that you do, that's like in a studio environment is completely different beast. And you can do whatever you want in that environment. Yeah, I mean, if, pff, studio environment, you can keep the R5 plugged into power the entire day. Sure. Like you, you don't even need a battery in it. Maybe. Yep. I don't know. I didn't test that. And, and there's yeah. been some, some tests that have done basically with removing a battery, shooting only SD and keeping it. Um, uh, oh no, not shooting SD shooting, uh, just outputting with no cards directly to a, um, directly to a hard drive somehow. And that's pretty common for video. Right. Uh, And there was no overheating problems uh, as far as I could tell. So that, that's another interesting, interesting thing. Not shooting AK raw. I believe it was the 4k. It was 4k at 30 frames as well. Still like I just, you know, I'm tired of equipment coming out that I have to, uh, play some sort of checkers or chess right. to, to operate the way that I want. Yeah, and that's why I really loved switching over to the EOSR once I once I figured it out after being with Nikon for like eight years. I realized that this was a camera that could truly perform under load and really do a lot of the stuff that I wanted it to do without getting in my way. I didn't have to like fiddle around with features. Once I got it all set up, I was like, oh man. This thing can really, I can really shoot with this thing. I can, I can nail autofocus. Um, it'll shoot without buffering. The freaking D750 was so oh, annoying that. with that. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! I just remembered. Yeah. Oh god! I'm having PTSD right now. <laughs> this is me having an, an ease experience. Out. Ease out to the coverage. I okay. can, I Ooh. can provide you Ooh. a simple pivot. Another Ooh. thing I was, I was disappointed fan. about with the R5, and and I think this will carry over to the R6. Unfortunately, was Image uh, They oh, have right. been down for like a week. The whole service was down. I think they got hacked or something. They came back up, and I was finally able to use the Wi-Fi grip that adds two batteries and a dedicated five gigahertz Wi-Fi transfer. And it is so stupidly implemented. There's so <laughs> many dumb things. There is no way to say, okay, this picture on my memory card, send that raw file to my camera. Can't do that. You can only send JPEGs. You can send raw files over Wi-Fi uh, or a hotspot to image.canon's service uh, that then you could download back to your phone but there's all sorts huh. of weird little stupid things and the overall speed had improved, but the files were so huge at raw anyway, uh, at 60 megabytes yeah. a shot that it was, it's, it's impractical. Yeah. The only way I think that would be a useful, 
uh, tool, the Wi-Fi grip would be, um, connecting it to ethernet and shooting directly to a computer in a studio environment. Gotcha. I think that's mostly what it was set up for, but image.canon seemed to have the promise of, you know, you could pick and choose a couple raw files or all of them as you're shooting to just get shot up to the cloud. It's definitely not going to happen. And, uh, mm. yeah, anyway, let's so just need to work sucked. on it. I think I'm, I'm glad that yeah. they implemented it at all. So, but uh, this is all I want though. At the end of the day, just, just give me a camera that I can go back. I can hit play during some downtime and be, be reviewing my images and say, you know what, this, this shot right here, this single shot, or maybe two or three shots or any shot that I've rated with a one star, mm-hmm. send those raw files to my camera or to my, sorry, to my iPhone, to your phone and, yeah, and boom. And they go not to a, a sandboxed app, but right to my camera roll yep. as a raw file that I can pop right into uh, Lightroom. Like that's all I want. That would be <laughs> and, awesome. And we don't have that. It's <laughs> still absolutely crazy to me. It's a, it's weird. It's like they're trying to do all these proprietary things, and it's like, dude, just just, just interface with the phone. Around Apple's limitations, I'm sure, but Apple's Probably, iCloud yeah. with the Files app should have cracked that ability open by now to to write files to some way through through a Canon app to Apple's file system that could then be, you know, shuffled around to whatever other apps you want, mm-hmm. but. Um, just not there yet. Not that I figured out. And um, right. maybe somebody's created a, a pathway to it, but I've tried and tried and tried. And that grip was 700 bucks. So <sighs> nope. No, no, no. Now they do have a non Wi-Fi grip. That's much cheaper. It's exactly like three, like the, 350. Uh, yeah. And that I plan on buying for the R six. Yeah. I'm a, but I'm, I, I also am planning on buying that too, but I'm not going to do it until the, I can confirm that the R6 is is good. Just that's an, that's another thing is like I was all dead set on going all in on the R5 with a battery grip and everything, and now that the R5 has underperformed, you know, battery life department, I can't just like assume that the R6 is going to be better. I have to just buy the body and see what happens. So what's also funny is the CF Express card, if it really comes down to that issue, it, like they've existed in the, the Z series, Nikon Z series, I think just the Z7, but that shoots CF Express. Oh. I wonder if oh, there's yeah, that's any, right. been any overheating issues with those at all. Hmm. Be very curious. I haven't noticed anything on any review sites or anything, but I'll yeah, check it. I don't, I don't remember that when I used it. Uh, can we also just, uh, coming to near the conclusion, yeah. end of this, can we can we just point out like how ridiculous it is that uh, you, Adobe still hasn't updated to support the RAW? You have to run all your files through a DNG converter. It's been out for weeks, this is something and it was that... out early release, and I'm sure Adobe had access to one, I would, I would imagine, like a month ago. What's the big problem? I don't know. Maybe, maybe COVID? I mean... Can I blame yeah. COVID? I this is the exact same problem. I had the same problem with a D seven fifty for what was it, a full month? I remember that. Yes. Full month where I was yep. shooting I shot weddings, engagements, events, political stuff for a full month having to run through DNG converter every time. <laughs> and I was gonna I was like freaking out by the end. And when they finally released it, I was like, thank God. Adobe, what is your problem? This is not like an isolated incident for for Adobe. Yeah, it's lots to talk about. I, you know, thankfully the feedback to my review has been pretty good on Patreon itself. A lot of people agree, some disagree. I'm curious to hear more from people that say they don't have battery issues. Again, some of this also is perspective. So, so if you're coming from a Canon 5D Mark III or a Canon 5D Mark IV. 
the R5 is going to seem like an absolute, completely mind blowing revolution of a camera. Yeah. But if you skip the R, then yeah. that's why you would feel that way. <laughs> right. And if you, if you uh, went to the R, you'd be like, Oh, well this is not, maybe it doesn't have quite as many features, but Hey, yeah. I can shoot a while on this thing. I don't know. Exactly. But you may not even have that perspective. If you skipped the R, right. you wouldn't realize that the battery life was as good as it is. Yeah. And anyway, that's just reality. We should probably. Yeah. All right. Well, it. anyway, uh, it's been fun chatting for the last two hours with you and, uh, we, we can, um, talk later or something. Cool. I don't know. All right, but bye. Well,